Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. My guest today is Dr. Julie Pham. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Pham. Julie Pham, PhD, is a Vietnamese-born, American-raised refugee, Cambridge-trained social scientist, and organizational development leader, an award-winning cross-sector collaborator, a community organizer, and an expert on respect. Our title, therefore, today is going to be How to Navigate Conflict by Rethinking Respect. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Dr. Julie Pham. Welcome. Just a perfect topic to have in this uh, world we live in today. <laughs> yes, Vicky, thank you so much for thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You're so welcome. So we always start with a easy question. Where do you live? I live in Seattle. This is where I grew up too. Seattle, Washington. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I worked for UPS for a long time, and um, part of my career, I spent two years on the West Coast, back and forth uh, to Atlanta, to the West Coast. I was there for two, three weeks and here for uh, one week. And I visited Seattle several times. Um, Beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that UPS was actually founded in Seattle. Yes, we did. Yes, we were. (laughs) Well, all the UPSers know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. In fact, I did go and visit that spot. All right, so... How do you honor and respect others while still being authentic to yourself? So Vicki, a lot of it is about understanding that respect. We talk about respect as if it's fixed and as if it's uh, universal. And actually Mm -hmm. the first part is understanding that it's dynamic Mm -hmm. and that it's subjective, it's relative, and it's also contradictory Yeah, because we as humans are contradictory. So I think the first (laughs) part of, of honoring yourself is actually it's, it's self-respect and understanding, huh, what do I want and how do I express what I need? And then also understanding, huh, well, maybe other people want different things. What I found in my research is that people agree on what respect feels like feeling seen, heard, acknowledged, appreciated. What we disagree about is what does respect look like? Yeah. So for for example, some people say, I love getting unsolicited constructive feedback. I wish they would just tell it to me. And others like, no, that feels super, that feels (laughs) not, I do not like that. I do not like that. And also another thing is to keep in mind is that 
I distinguish between disrespect and lack of respect. Yeah. So disrespect is actually, it's, it's intentional. It's Vicky, mm-hmm. if I knew you don't like that and I did it anyway, yes. it's, it's like disinformation. Mm-hmm. Lack of respect is actually, Vicky, I didn't know that mattered to you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't mean to do it. I just didn't know it mattered to you. Maybe you said it was okay. Yeah. And so that's the difference between disrespect and lack of respect. And oftentimes when we're not getting respect in the forms that matter to us, we feel disrespected. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is just pausing and saying, hmm, was this intentional mm-hmm. or did they not know? And how do I then have a conversation about right. it? And I think that goes back to your um, comment that it's dynamic and, and it is varying degrees. You don't always know. There are some people that it just rolls right off of them. They didn't even feel anything about it. And mm-hmm. then other people, highly sensitive, maybe uh, uh, w- would be totally offended. And it's it's like you're walking on eggshells sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I, um, so when I was starting this research and I'd ask people, what does respect mean to you? And they would talk about the golden rule. Oh yeah. So treat people the way they want to be treated. Now, the thing about the golden rule is what if they don't want to be treated the way you want to be treated? And then there is the platinum rule, which is treat people the way they want to be treated. And the thing there is what if they don't know how they want to be treated or they don't tell you. And so actually I have what I call the rubber band rule. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is about... The thing is, we're all able to stretch. It's like, oh, Vicky, maybe I I know you like this. And even though I'm kind of ambivalent, I'll stretch, right? And then maybe we're in a group and we're at a company and we're just like, oh, everyone else loves giving compliments and I don't like it, but I'll stretch. I'll like, I'll, you know, I'll do it to play along. And then we, mm-hmm. and we start to kind of stretch and stretch and stretch. And then what happens is it breaks, <laughs> we snap and break. And so with the rubber band rule, it's actually about knowing what are our internal breaking points? What's going to make mm. me snap? Because that's different for everyone. Like you said, some people can be, um, some people are like, oh, whatever flows. And other people are just, I'm a tight little rubber band and I know my boundaries. You know, and <clears throat> part of what I teach is also leadership and, and also speaking. So communication and I think a key part to understanding everything that you just said is that you need to get to know your people. Mm -hmm. And whenever I started working way back in the eighties and seventies, way Mm -hmm. back when you, you went to work and, and managers, bosses didn't really get to know you Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, And so to understand that breaking point would be impossible, you know, for them. But now we, as 21st century leaders need to get to know our people, our people are best asset. And it takes time to Mm -hmm. do that. (laughs) People hesitate. And, and, um, and I think it's also important as parents, how we maybe, um, make sure that our kids know that they should feel comfortable letting people know that, you know, this is, this is my boundaries. Maybe this is the way I feel about things. So Mm -hmm. if you could talk a little bit about that. So, you know, I said that respect is dynamic and it's dynamic Mm -hmm. because of these three dimensions. One is hierarchy. The second is what we call give versus get the way I like to give respect can differ from the way I like to get respect. Mm -hmm. And then Vicky, what you're getting at is the third dimension, which is what matters to me. Yeah. And that's actually different from what should matter to me. Mm. 
And yet we've all kind of been socialized, do this, this is respectful, you should expect this. And yet what we don't ask ourselves is what matters to me so much, I will do it even if I know it doesn't matter to the other person, because it's actually about me. And so um, and so I actually think of the seven forms of respect as a tool in sparking curiosity. And, and that boils down to these three elements of self-awareness, number one, mm-hmm. relationship building, number two, and clear communication, number three. And so that first one of self-awareness is I actually have to be pretty clear about how I want respect yeah. before I can tell someone else. And so what you're getting at about how do we even teach our children to articulate that? And it's, and even kind of saying it's okay to say mm-hmm. it because, and also saying it doesn't mean you'll necessarily get it. Yeah, but it means that we'll get to better understanding Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, just because I didn't get what I want doesn't mean I wasn't heard. Yeah, because we all want everyone. There's a whole bunch of noisy, you know, I want this. I want this. I want this. And it can be very different. Yeah. Uh, And I work with middle school, high school kids, teaching them public speaking and leadership. And um, so oftentimes you'll hear bullying incidents where, and it all came from, well, they didn't, you know, they disrespected me. And again, I think it just goes back to you. Did they know that they were doing that? Was it intentional or was it like, oh my God, I I didn't mean to do that. And, and um, so it takes also then the person on the other side of that rubber band, I guess, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, okay, how am I reacting to this situation? Do I take a breath and think about those questions you asked in the beginning about was it intentional or not? Mm -hmm. And asking that question doesn't mean forgiving them or saying, oh, it's okay. It just Mm -hmm. really does mean slowing it down and then practicing asking that question with ourselves and maybe even, maybe even practicing with other people like, hey, this is happening. And, and I'm not asking for validation. I'm asking for your perspective and your reading on this because so that, because another thing about, I mean, you brought up like just with kids, it's like, if we don't, you know, what happens if something bad happens, it's like, I'm going to go tell my mom or dad Mm -hmm. or teacher, and then they're going to address it. But we, they actually aren't taught to, well, how do I have a conversation Mm -hmm. with this person? Maybe with, maybe with a, an adult in the room still. Yeah. Right. But to have that conversation. And so oftentimes, and then that come that, that, that goes into the workplace because we're looking for someone else to save us. Yeah. That's right. Even having the tools to, and the practice, because it does take practice to, to actually bring that up ourselves. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about the office too, I remember for years and years and years, and I'm sure they still do it. They have um, employee relations questionnaire surveys and in that um survey one of the questions always was does my uh, do I feel respected or does my boss respect me my manager respect me and oftentimes that number was really low (laughs) and so um I, I guess some of the HR groups gurus or things may need to take a a different look at the post action items that we would have in that situation because um it it it, there generally isn't a lot of of what you're trying to teach us right now in that (laughs) that's arsenal of information that hr shares (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know the question i like to ask when i'm in groups is 
how um how aligned does this team is this company in having a shared understanding of what respect means mm-hmm. which yeah. is a different question yeah, of, do i feel respected or not because there it's just like um we're like at a two out of five or we're like at a three usually i've never seen as high as a four yeah. And then this, then I like to follow up with what causes misalignment around that mm-hmm. understanding respect. And typically what I see ranked pretty highly is generational differences, yes, yes. cultural differences mm-hmm. and lack of clarity from leadership. Mm-hmm. And you know, what is t- the lowest ranked working remotely. Mm. So I think that's really interesting because so many people blame, oh, if we just were in person again. Everything would be okay. It's like, no, actually people are ranking that pretty low in terms of what creates misalignment around respect. And and I think too, um, that's a a very interesting question to to think about and ponder because um, whenever you you ask that question in that way, it it really kind of delves into, okay, then what is my expectation of respect and 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 how did I earn, you know, we always say earn respect. Well, how do I earn that then? Mm-hmm. And yes, because there's that like, do you earn it or are you supposed to just give it? Yeah, yeah. Right. And um uh and what are my expectations? Because again, we often don't think about I another question I like to ask people is who and what influence how you think about respect in your life. Yeah. And then that could be also uh positive. Your dog. <laughs> is that a dog? dog? It's a dog outside. Yeah, Sorry. no worries. No worries. Um, so uh so I like to ask who and what influence how you think about respect in your life. And so for example, for me growing up, my mom was always late picking me up from school. And so I felt a lot of shame around the school staff having to wait. And so I was like, okay, I'm I'm I will I'm filled with this anxiety around punctuality. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and that, so we can have positive reactions and negative reactions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's um, interesting how another, another thing of our past that influences our present. So why are people passive and what can we do about that? So first of all, I just want to say, so, so passive is saying not saying something that you would like to say or that you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And I don't always think passive is bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yes. so because sometimes <laughs> passive is strategic, right? I'm like, yes. I'm not going to say something right now. I think where it can get bad is actually when we feel resentful and we're mm-hmm. holding it in and we're yeah. like, I wish I could say something. And so oftentimes it's because, um, so it's either they don't know how to have a conversation and mm-hmm. express it. Right or they don't feel safe. Mm. So, or sometimes it's both. And we might not even know that we don't know. We just feel like lost, Mm. right? And maybe it was never modeled for us. And so I think that the anecdote to passiveness though, an easy way to approach this is actually with curiosity. Mm. Because sometimes people think, oh, the opposite of passive is being blunt. It's being direct. I didn't like the way you did that. And instead, what we could actually do is practice curiosity and ask it, with a question to bring it up and that's to initiate, Hey, I want to under, I, I, um, you did this. This is the way it made me feel. I'd like to understand more. And sometimes the question is asking permission. Sometimes it's like, Hey, are you open to hearing more about how I felt about that? 
Yeah. A lot of what you're saying is in uh, what I've had in conflict resolution training. <laughs> it, it just kind of falls right in there mm-hmm. with those questions mm-hmm. that you have to ask, because really it is trying to build understanding. And I, and I think a lot of times the, the respect pieces is because there is that lack of understanding as well as um, confusion, whatever. Um, there is so lack curiosity. of understanding. Mm-hmm. There's lack of understanding from the other person. There's also sometimes it's because I'm not communicating clearly. Yes. And I think that I am. Oh, that's well. The, and then you go back to the questions. You always have that, uh, uh, that the acknowledgement. Do you, is what I heard was this, is that what you meant, you know, and sometimes it is not, it's always insightful. And Vicki, something that I now, that I've actually just thought about realizing mm -hmm. over the past couple of months in terms of practicing curiosity in this is before we can have a conversation to ask ourselves two questions. Mm -hmm. The first question is, do I want this, do I want this person to learn from me? The second question is, Am I willing to learn from this person? Um. <laughs> and sometimes we're going in like, I want this person to know this and this and this. And we're so focused on what we want that person to know. We're not, we're not actually open to learning. Yeah. And so I suggest to people really slow down and be able to say yes before you enter that conversation. Okay. Because if you're not, that's okay. You don't have to enter that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pause is very powerful. <laughs> So what is it like to be um, a woman of color, of Asian American descent um, in management, in leadership, <clears throat> and being a, pro- a professional in professional development? Um, you have a, a very important role. So what's that like? <laughs> you, you muted, you muted yourself. Oh, there's, oh, so first is like, there's not that many of us. Yeah, um, executive I know. leadership, an executive leadership. And I think that there's often just assumptions about how we're going to behave. There's that the stereotype of being either tiger lady or um or silent workhorse. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes it could just be, how much do I how do I how am I figuring out what they're thinking so that I can anticipate that? And then what's been really interesting, I started my company two and a half years ago, um, is People often think I must do DEI work. I must do diversity, equity, inclusion uh, work as yeah. a woman of color. It's yeah. like, you can't just do leadership development or communication skills. You must be doing DEI work. And and I always have to explain to people, actually, that's a specialty that I don't, that's not my specialty. It's, yeah. a, it's a really important specialty. It's not, it's not what I specialize in. And it's, it's just so interesting though, how, often people uh, assume that. And then, and also, you know, to be practical as a business owner, it's just, if that's where your budget is and you're not asking me to change my content, then, okay, if that's what you want to put it, itemize it as, then I'm okay with that too. Yeah, so. very true. Very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So you also talk about a real life MBA. Mm-hmm. I think I know what that is, but can you <laughs> explain how we can get one? Yes. So I got one when I left academia um, and and I came back to Seattle to help my parents run our Vietnamese language newspaper. And that was in 2008. 
2009. So remember oh, the great. worldwide recession <laughs> and the global decline. Great of the timing. Yeah, right. The global decline of the newspaper industry. So that real life MBA was, I was just thrown into it because I was actually considering getting an MBA. If my father was like, no, you're not going back to school. <laughs> you just spent, you know, all this time in school. And it's like, okay, you're right. And so the real life MBA is from a lot of it was volunteering. Yeah. A lot of it was just going in and volunteering and um, working with people really different who had different skills who I could learn from. I learned marketing by getting elected to be marketing chair for this small national association of Asian American professionals. I didn't, I'd only been on Facebook for four months. I learned (laughs) how to build the dashboard. Um, Selling was something also I learned how to do. I remember the first time talking to an ad agency, they asked me all these really hard questions and when I got off the phone, I was like, that was really bad. I'm really bad. But one day I'm going to get good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did. And I did. And so, but it was just like practicing and having yeah. to fundraise. Yeah. And so selling something that's both tangible and intangible with, um, with the advertising. So that's how I got my real life MBA. And so whenever I talk to friends who were just, I'm considering getting an MBA, I was just, are you doing it because you want to advance in the corporate world because that makes sense right because yeah. the corporate world really uh, appreciate like uh values that mm-hmm. or but if you want to just if you want to be an entrepreneur yeah you don't necessarily no. need to get get your real life mba go i mean i've i've been investing in myself and in the business and and i still think wow like at the second year of business i lost money and i was like well still way cheaper than an MBA. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny. I always talk to people about whenever they're looking to hire a team or whatnot, I, I said, I always looked at how much they volunteered because I knew that to volunteer, you have to have a, a, a good mindset, good attitude. And the fact that um, you are exposed to so much, as you mentioned, and as you were recounting those things, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, I, I used to volunteer a lot. I, if, if you look to my one side over here, I actually have a, a Olympic torch from the 1996 Olympics because I was a American hero for Coca-Cola and I got to run with a torch. But I, I was working side by side next to CEOs and um, VPs and all the mm-hmm. C-suite kind of people and picking their brains um, and, and they just shared everything they knew. And so the more that you volunteered and you were put in those positions, like, okay, well, I need somebody to be the social media person. I need somebody to be the bookkeeper. And um, so I, I agree, you definitely... Um, I think I have several MBAs in my 65 years now. <laughs> yes. And it, it's a really fun and good way to get to know people as well. It's it is. It's really great way to span, span our networks. So. Yeah. And I, I always used to tell people, well, you know, if these people work hours and hours for nothing, just think if you offered them a paycheck, what they would do. <laughs> but you have to make it that it's, a desirable location to work for, right? So that's where the respect comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, time has flown by. I'm going to just give you one rapid fire question instead of the three that I have. So, uh, so you touched on this a little bit, but tell us a little bit of what your entrepreneurial journey has really the lessons it's taught you so far. Oh gosh, asking for help. 
uh, and that with there are going to be ups and downs mm-hmm. and to ride the roller coaster and just know that it's about the uh, the long game and to constantly be experimenting. I heard the stat recently that only one in 12 experiments work. And so it's just, okay, well, I'm just going to keep experimenting <laughs> and knowing that everything, not everything is going to work and, uh, and to be a learn it all. Yeah. Oh, and one last thing is I've learned how to manage my energy, not my time. Nice. When nice. I was an employee, I was constantly managing my time. And now as an employer and as an entrepreneur, I constantly think about how am I going to manage my energy so that I'm best using that to uh, to do the work that um, that I started my company to mm-hmm. do. And and that, yeah, so that I, it's managing my energy, not my time. I love it. Love it. So good. All right. So if you also enjoyed what's been discussed here, and we probably could talk for hours on on this subject, we'll have to have you back again and do some more discussion. But um, I'm going to share my screen that has Dr. Pham's contact information. If you will grab a paper and pencil, if you're just listening, so you can get the website. I will have all this information on my YouTube as well as my website. We have going to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash curiositybase.com. Again, that's curiositybase.com. She can be found on Facebook at Curiosity Based and LinkedIn, Curiosity Based, and Instagram, Curiosity Based, and Twitter, Curiosity Based. So if you can't remember that, it's curiosity based, such a nice way to uh, have everything aligned like that. I'm going to let uh, Dr. Pham talk to you about what you can find on her substack.com. So yes, if you are interested in learning more about my work and about my reading my essays, then please go to uh, HTTPS colon backslash backslash drjuliepham.substack.com to subscribe to my essays. And um, can you give, <clears throat> excuse me, give me an idea about, um, are the essays grouped by topics or? Uh, they are, in that particular one, they are free flowing. I write about, uh, I write about a wide range of things, actually. I write about entrepreneurship, about communication, about respect, about growing up in a Vietnamese family that ran a newspaper. So, oh, no, so mm-hmm. unusual. <laughs> and. Um, if you, again, want to get in touch with her to learn more, please just visit her at the website, curiositybase.com. And again, take advantage of those essays. If you really enjoyed this, um, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. It was really a topic that we truly could spend a lot of time because I think there's still a lot of Um, discussion that needs to be made on this subject. So it's wonderful that you are doing this. Do you have a book in mind? Are you going to put all these essays into a book? Well, I mean, actually the book I would recommend is, so not is my book, Seven Forms of Respect. So it is a guide to transforms of respect. Yes. So the seven forms of respect and it is. If you could just um, send me that information, I will in a graph it, a picture of it. If yes. not, I'll grab it on Amazon, no, no, but I'll, um, I'll make sure that that's also put in the show notes so that we can um, help you promote that. Thank so you again, so much. the name is 
Seven Forms of Respect, A Guide to Transforming Your Communication and Relationships at Work. Awesome. Excellent. Okay. So you have another tool, people, that she's giving for you to yes. uh, check out. Um, it's been really wonderful and uh, so glad we could connect today. And I look forward to talking to you more. So again, as always, I remind people that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Neffling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.